1: Yes, hello out there, everyone. Welcome back to Numbut The Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. And Flynn, tonight, unfortunately, we have to start with a correction. In the last show, we were talking about the Nashville 2008 archive release, and I said that I thought the law had not been played at that point since 1984, and that was incorrect.
0: Yes, it was. It was actually performed in Dallas, Texas on November 3rd, 2002 as part of the Rising Tour when Don Henley actually came up and joined Bruce in the East Free Band for a performance of it.
1: Yes, and we thank our buddy Kirk Minahan for that information. He actually has now corrected me twice this year on that same point because I apparently said the same thing about Nashville in an episode earlier in 2022. So we thank him both times for letting us know. And we do hope that the listeners are going to keep us on our toes.
0: Yeah, we need people to keep us on our toes every so often. I mean, we do know a lot, Hal, but every so often we do forget little little tidbits here and there. And Kirk actually had you on his show to talk about it.
1: Yeah, that was pretty awesome, I have to say. I went on the Kirk Minahan show on Barstool with Kirk and his team, and I really had a great time. Kirk has actually mentioned our show on the air more than a couple of times now, which is just crazy. And I appreciate it so much. And I know you do, too, because that's just tremendously helpful for our show to have someone with a big audience like that talking about
0: us. Yeah, that was that was very cool and very, uh, very generous of him. But uh, I do need to point out a little qualifier when we talk about I fought the law in the last performance since when. And that, uh, yeah, in 2008, the last performance of I Fought the Law was with the E Street Band was in Dallas, Texas in 2002. But in May of 2008, just a few months before the Nashville show, Bruce showed up at the Stone Pony to play a four-song set with Mike Ness. And one of those songs was indeed I Fought the Law. So we have to add a little with the E Street Band qualifier. Okay, and that's a nice little tidbit. That's what we expect you to bring to the show. (laughs) Well, good, because I don't have much else.
1: (laughs) Well, I would disagree. I know Claudine would disagree, and I think our audience (laughs) disagrees.
0: I hope so. I hope you guys disagree. I'm always harder on myself than anybody else.
1: And coincidentally, my appearance on Kirk's show provides us with a perfect segue to talk about the Christmas Archive release, which was July 18th, 1999, because he asked me what my white whale is in terms of songs that I have not seen live. And I said, I want to be with you. And the July 18th show opens with that song and in fact, I feel like they're trolling me a little.
0: <laughs> I don't know, Hal. It would have been a pretty quick turnaround for them to to hear to hear you with Kirk, and then hear you say, "Oh, I want to be with you" as a song I, I've never seen, and then get the show out because uh, they got to pull the tapes, and then All Schiller has to mix them. But uh, so yeah, not always about you, Hal.
1: <laughs> no, they were not trolling me. I was kidding, of course, but it is
0: kind of funny. Yes, it is, especially since this is the first show from the Meadowlands ninety nine stand to be released. And it wasn't one that uh, that you certainly uh, would have would have picked
1: well, I wasn't there for that show. I know you were, and people who were there, including you, said that this was a very good show. and it's a it is a very good listen. My thought is on two fronts. Number one, I think as the stand went on, it definitely got better. The fourteenth show of the fifteen. August 11th, I think was the high point. Most people agree on that. Uh, you uh, You were there on August 11th, right?
0: Yeah, I saw 12 of the 15. The other thing that
1: I'll say about this show is that I found a little weird in terms of the selection. As we know, the reunion tour had a fairly static set list with certain slots where there was a lot of variation. And on this release, we have Loose Ends, which has already been released on the reunion tour from June 27th at the Garden. And we also have Stand on it, which was a rarity. But that was actually on the last reunion tour release from Anaheim. So to me, what I would be looking for at this point from the reunion tour is in those slots that had that variety to give us some stuff that we haven't gotten yet and as good as a show as this is. Loose Ends and Stand On It, in particular, are songs that we do have from the tour on previous releases.
0: Right. And we also have Prove It All Night and obviously Two Hearts. But this is the first Freehold, as well as I Want to Be With You fr- yes. from, this, from this tour, even though, as you pointed out to me, Freehold was also done at the August 11th show. As I uh, as you said, I'm really enjoying th- this release. I was a big fan of that show from the get-go. Uh, This was actually, we uh, were doing a Future of the Archive uh, series later on in the show. And actually, this is one of the ones I put on my list from from that tour. So my fear about this show was that his mic did crap out during the first song, I Want to Be With You. And so because of that, I was always worried that it would kind of disqualify it from the get-go. But they seem to have fixed it quite a bit. And going back to the Madison Square Garden show from The River... Uh, 2009 where they fixed the uh, first verse of Hungry Heart. So I guess anything really is, is fixable as long as they have that song from another show.
1: I've listened to the whole show by now and it was a very good show. And it's very interesting to hear the reunion tour at that early date because things did really grow on that tour, perhaps more than some of the others, because he did continue with that fairly static set list and the performances became tighter. And if you listen to the Garden compared to, say, this Meadowlands recording, the band is just firing on all cylinders at the Garden. And and to be frank, they weren't here at the Meadowlands yet. And that really was the case for I think most of the stand. Uh, do you agree with that?
0: I don't know. I thought they did. They did a pretty good job gelling on the uh, on on the European leg that year. And I thought when they got back to the states. Yeah, the July fifteenth show opening night at the at, at the Meadowlands, what well, that was a little rough. It wasn't the best show. But this one I thought really came back and I thought it was very strong. And I like I said, I I liked it from the get go. And I but I agreed that by the time they got to the following July, July one and certainly June of two thousand, yeah, they were ten times better. But at the same time that's what happens when you're when you're touring for a year.
1: Now, I do think it's important to have an early part of the tour because all the phases should be represented. And and listening to the show and getting into some of the specifics, one of the more interesting things, I think, from this show is to hear an early version of Land of Hope and Dreams. And I actually think as great as it was at the Garden, there is a power to how raw it is here. Uh, What did you think of that?
0: It definitely sounded different to me after listening to that version from from July 1st so often in that the Bruce's guitar came in and it, and it was a very different melody, very different riff that he was seem to be playing. And, and Danny came in, whereas on by the time they got to New York the following summer, it was more the drums kicked in a lot earlier, not just the main drums, but the drums and the other keyboards. So, yeah, it seemed to have a, be a little bit different now. You talked about all phases of the tour being represented. In a way, you could kind of look at this as a European show. I believe the set list is very similar to the June 24th show in Stockholm, which was represented by an excellent release from, from Crystal Cat. And it also opened with Want to Be With You. It had loose end, and it had, and it had stand on it. So it had the key songs that that were done in Europe as well as the the standard set that we came to love and know.
1: Another example of what I'm talking about here, 10th Avenue, the entire song, it was very finished by the time he got to the garden and very put together. Here, it's a bit more rambling, although the garden versions were plenty long themselves. But <laughs> you get each member taking a little spotlight on themselves. Uh, Gary did them changes. Steve did a piece of the Godfather theme. Of course, Patty did Doll. There's something very endearing about that, hearing it 20, what are we now, 24 <laughs> years later, as hard as it is to believe.
0: <laughs> yeah, just about. Yeah, I, I remember hearing those solos, or I remember those solos, and I re- gave height or gave uh, a chance for some cool moments when when Gary actually plucked out fire one night. He did that, I think, both in Stockholm and on, on Patty's birthday, July 29th, at, at the same venue. So that that was kind of a cool moment, and and I thought he had his more of his uh, Southern Baptist preacher uh, voice going on during Tenth Avenue. Before, as you said, he refined it as as the tour went on. So it was that was kind of kind of fun to hear after, as I said, being so familiar with the two thousand versions. Even though I
1: didn't see this particular show, there's something about placing myself back in that building for this stand, and it and it was something that was missing from the archive series and. There was something very special about it because, of course, it was the first time Bruce was back. Now, we had seen the rehearsal shows, but most of the audience had not. They were back in New Jersey for the first time, and perhaps they were a little tight and they were still developing the show. Even the show would change quite dramatically by the time the Meadowlands run was over in terms of... the the slots that had the variation that I'm mentioning, because, uh, and you and I did the reunion tour community conference on E Street Radio years ago, and all five of us, I think it was me, you, and Eric Flanagan, who now writes the reviews for Nugs, and I forget who else was on, but we all agreed there was a moment during this Meadowland stand, especially the New York City Serenade, where it just felt like anything could happen, and Bruce was reintroducing the band and saying to people, a- anything goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's certainly true. A-
1: and that applied to the rest of the tour. And and you get it here in the second night of New Jersey where you're just getting a sense of that. And it's different than the other reunion tour releases. Certainly much different than the 2000 releases, as I said, but also m- different from September 25th, September 30th, and October 23rd where things had progressed, where you understood by the time we walked into Staples Center on October 23rd, we were aware that anything could happen. When Incident was played that night, it wasn't the shock that it was on September 25th. And certainly the appearance of Serenade would never be a shock like it was (laughs) on August 11th, where I literally, I almost passed out.
0: So, (laughs) well, I think this one, you might might not have the feeling of Anything could happen. Him pulling out New York City Serenade or Incident or, or any of the old, that kind of that kind of music. But at the same time, pulling out I Want to Be with You and and Loose End both in their U.S. debut, basically, or not just basically, it was their U.S. debut. So a lot of the hardcore fans who had been listening to those songs on on bootleg tapes and, and records, they were just floored to be to be finally seeing that stuff live in front of. the in front of them instead of from, from a hissy, uh, hissy bootleg.
1: Yeah. And uh, to this day, I'd really like to see, I want (laughs) to be with you. It seems that one's not meant to be. Now let's talk about the other song you just mentioned, which is loose ends. And there's something that's developed here, which is (laughs) we tweeted about on the official release for this show. It is titled loose end as it was on the Nashville show last month, where it was also played. Now, I personally think this is a little ludicrous. What do you think in terms of the dropped S? Not that this is a major issue, but it's is kind of funny to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, especially since, as you pointed out to me, both Eric and Jonathan uh, specifically mentioned this song in, in their write ups for for Backstreets and Nugs, respectively. And yeah, they both also omitted the 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 last S after end. So it's definitely a a group effort here, but it really comes from oh, it's the- a conspiracy.
1: It's a conspiracy.
0: Okay, all right. I didn't yeah. think I didn't think you to be a conspiracy theorist, Hal, but uh, I learned something tonight. Uh, it's actually the reason. I don't know the reason why, but the reason they keep doing it is because in the transfer of song titles from Bruce to Sony, it is actually listed in there as loose end, previously released as loose ends. So there is a notation in that document where they drop the S and they say, yeah, it used to be loose ends, and now it's loose end. As to why they changed the title is a totally different question, and I have no idea what the answer is.
1: Okay, and I thought it was going to be something like that, and I get the legal ease of it all. The thing is, in the show that we're listening to, he says, this is a song from Tracks. It's called Loose Ends. You cannot have a different title on the track listing. He says it's called Loose Ends. That's the name of the song. (laughs) I understand, and I believe, uh, not that I claim to know that much about the specifics of titling and copyrights and stuff like that, but... I believe there is a way where the song could have been known by another title previously. I don't know, but I just find the whole thing silly myself. I have to be uh, totally honest.
0: Yeah, I wonder what the reason is, and maybe we'll probably never find out, but <laughs> I would love to know why. If the man says
1: in the show, this song is called Loose Ends, that's how it should be listed on the packaging.
0: Yeah, but, story. The, <laughs> but then 23 years later, that now he says, okay, now it's going to be Loose end." I got to give the guy the same uh, the same respect now.
1: I get what you're saying and obviously we're sort of having some fun with it. So I don't want to make too big of a deal of it and let's not spend any more time on it but it just it's, it cracks me up.
0: Okay. One more thing I I would like to point out about the evolution of the show is that in two hearts, there is no It Takes Two at the end. Oh, that's true too, yeah. I I really kind of like that. I got to say, I've been kind of bored of the It Takes Two thing at the end. I feel it just kind of drags a song out more than it really needs to be. And uh, to hear it, Don, boom, 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 next song, really uh, worked very well for me. (laughs)
1: Okay, now let's move on. We're going to use this opportunity at the end of the year, especially with the new tour about to begin, to take one of our periodic overviews of the Archive series. I think it's been about 18 months since we last did this, and we're just going to go quickly through and, and give our thoughts, especially as to where the series may go now, because the truth is... A lot of the shows that we've talked about, and to toot our own horn, we we did do quite a good job at predicting the releases in the the t- couple of times we've done this in the life of our show. But really, now it's in a different phase because
0: all of those big shows have been released. Well, certainly most of them has. Like obviously, yeah. there are still a few missing from what I would consider the from the reunion era, from the reunion tours. As you said, August 11th would be a good one. Like maybe a few more from the garden specifically six twenty two but yeah there's uh from the classic era where where not every show was was multi tracked, yeah, they're kind of running out of options here, at least if they stick to their multi track only uh philosophy, so they're certainly getting down to not many shows to choose from from uh, seventy five to say eighty eight
1: okay, so let's start from the beginning, and a question we hear a lot will there ever be an archive release prior to 1975? What have you heard about that, and why has there not been one, do you think?
0: Well, they just didn't have the money to to multitrack very much. I guess we can hope that that 131.73 show from, was that Max's Kansas City in New York City, where Bishop Dance was recorded, that appeared on the King Biscuit Flower Hour, and then obviously appeared on track. So that show was, was most likely multi multitrack, but... I have no idea why, why it hasn't come out. And certainly in 74, when all their money was going into uh, the recording of Born to Run, so there wasn't much left over to do any any multi multitrack, say, as they toured Schenectady and Passaic.
1: Okay, well, it seems at this point you can only go by the history, and it's right in front of us. If we're eight years into the series or something like that, and there hasn't been a show prior to 75, I understand people would like one, but probably at this point we have to conclude it's not gonna happen.
0: Unless they get over their addiction to multi tracks. And then if then of course we have to hope that they have some two tracks, some some direct soundboards of, of similar to those two seventy seven shows, which were not well received it seems from from many people because of the sound quality. And of course the roughness of those of those shows. They were so early in the tour and there were some miscues. But they need to find some, uh, some better options, find some better shows with, uh, with more solid, more historic kind of performances. I would say go to 76 with Frankie, The Evolution of Frankie and Something in the Night and even The Promise. But again, if they don't have the tapes, they can't release it, multi track addiction or not.
1: Right. And uh, you jumped ahead there a little. Born to Run, we do know they have some remaining tapes. There are shows from The
0: Tower. Is there anything else that we know about? Well, supposedly, Toronto on December 21st was also pro recorded or multi tracked. But it's uh, it's very similar to the CW Post show that came out last year. Pretty Flamingo was really the only difference. Whereas uh, From the Tower, like 1230 is the only show that I am 100% was recorded. Uh, and there were, there were two changes. Uh, it's going to work out fine for Pretty Flamingo. Growing up, Wear My Ring Around Your Neck, and For You were also done that night, which were not done the following night.
1: And we just have to face reality, especially on these early tours. They've released enough shows now that most of the songs that were played on these tours were covered. Uh, and especially since so few shows were recorded, there's going to be a lot of overlap. And that's just the way it's going to be, or they're going to have to stop releasing from these tours.
0: Well, I think after another Born to Run release or, or two, I think they're going to be done with with that tour. Uh, as I said, I only, I only know of two other shows that were definitely multi-tracked, and of course, we don't know if some of the other Roxy shows were also multi-tracked, especially since they did do a what a, a late show from, from the seventeenth. I believe that's it, or is it the eighteenth? How what what show was it that came out?
1: The show that was released was the early show on October eighteenth. There was a late show that night. It would certainly seem to make sense that with the production truck there. They would have recorded both shows,
0: well, you would think, and of course, then you only have uh, basically two changes. Pretty Flamingo was substituted in for E Street Shuffle, and then Detroit Medley and Court of the Three were uh, were substituted for Carol. So it's not exactly uh, a seven, you know, seventeen songs differ between the two nights, like like we've seen over the last uh, ten or so years.
1: Yeah, as I said, that's going to be a running theme now of the shows from the classic era that are left. Now moving to darkness. We know Passaic Night 3, which is an essential release. That one will come out, I imagine, because it has to. Is there <laughs> anything else
0: left besides for Passaic? Well, if they did um, Berkeley, Berkeley 7-1 was released, and you would think they would do the, the first night too. But again, there's only one difference. You got 10th Avenue in for Because of the Night. So it's not really, it's, you know, you're not exactly breaking new ground. Whereas the Passaic show, you got, as you kind of hinted, you got three or four big differences. You got yes. high school confidential and sweet little 16 plus additional performances of fever and incident. So those, so you can never have too many performances of incident. That's, <laughs> that is for no. sure. And then they might have uh, July 5th and July 8th. Um, July 8th was the Phoenix show from which all those, those video, uh, the the film clips were done. So you, they could have, they could have that one, but again, it's, There's only one difference. Raise Your Hand replaces The Promise and and the encores. Not in the same order, obviously. But yeah, you're not exactly breaking new ground there either.
1: Yeah, that's why I feel that Passaic Night 3 is the big one. Yes, High School Confidential has never been released, I don't believe, in any form, right?
0: No, no. Same for
1: Sweet Little 16, right? Yeah, and those are great selections. That's a really good show. The last show before his birthday, the third night of the three. You would think that's a hundred percent
0: going to come out at some point, right? I would think so. I would have to imagine that's going to be the next one from from that tour. But again, with the uh, with the with next year's tour and uh, going into twenty four, it's they're going to put a pause on this. I think we should uh, we should probably stress that that with the tour coming up and then releasing every show, first Friday series is going to be uh, put on pause. So we're kind of just dreaming down the line, literally uh, two years.
1: That makes sense, of course, and that's what happened in 2016. But do you have it confirmed that that's the case? Because they have not yet said
0: that. Uh, no, it's not confirmed. I haven't talked to anybody about that. But I just think, uh, as you said, they did a pause in 16. But, of course, that was pre-First Friday. I, but I just have to think that with Schiller doing every show, as they said in, in the press release or in, in the, in the post, Nugs posting an email, that uh, he's not going to have time to to mix these uh, older shows unless they've kind of uh, preloaded that. And he's been do- he's been doing like two shows a month instead of just one.
1: Let's see how that plays out. And it certainly makes sense, as I said, that they would pause. It also helps extend the series That's when they're true. otherwise releasing at least 60. Well, the 62 shows that are announced, we know that more are going to be announced in the very near future. So that's that's a lot of shows also for Altshula to work on, as you were just saying. Now, the River Tour, what do we think <laughs> on this one? Uh, now, I would say, which I've said before on this show, there is one thing that they have to get out, and that's a show from the Meadowlands with I Don't Want to Go Home.
0: Oh, I agree 100%. I have in my notes, July 6th, only 100% confirmed, multi-track recorded show with I Don't Want to Go Home. Uh, so that's the, the, the one band. that- with the band? With the E Street band, yes. That is a difference. And Steve and Bruce trading vocals. It was a, such a highlight of that uh, all those years vinyl bootleg back in the day. And then it was also released on, what was that bootleg name? The the River Show from E Street Records that had the partial soundboard from 824. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that one too. Oh, I don't remember that. I think it might actually, meet, might actually be I Don't Want to Go Home, but it was... It's funny that they uh, they named this named the bootleg after one of the one of the bonus tracks, which actually appeared at the front of the set. But anyway, that also that July sixth show also has "Follow That Dream," "Johnny Bye Bye," and "Jolie Blonde." So definitely keeps up with those, even if those are um, previously released.
1: Anything else from the River Tour that we know about?
0: Uh, just, uh, they probably have, they, well, not, not they probably, they do have one more show from London, but again, it's pretty similar to the other two shows, even though, but you do have Link Ray, He's he shows up to guest on I Fought the Law Appropriately Enough. So, and then of course, there's some rumor on BTX that there's a, a mystery Northeast 1980 show, but for for now i'm going to call that schrodinger's tape because there's no evidence that it does exist and obviously it's very difficult to prove a negative
1: yeah i agree with you on that my take on it would be without any evidence and 40 some odd years have passed with no proof that such a show exists we we would have to see it to believe it
0: exactly and you would have think they would have kind of broken up the Nassau Coliseum shows with another with another show from another city instead of just yeah. doing all three basically. I don't want to say in a row, but certainly those were the first three shows from nineteen eighty to be released. You would have thought that again they would have broken it up somehow, but yeah, I don't I don't think that one exists at this point.
1: Now the Born in the USA tours we've discussed on this show and as Eric revealed in his essay for the last Born in the USA release the 1984 shows are expended. They have no more. They had four multi tracks from New Jersey. Those are now all out. That's it for 1984. Sad as it is, because there were amazing shows in the fall of '84 that are unrepresented.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be would be nice to have some of that uh, that ex- those extended Nebraska sets with "Shut Out the Light" and "Johnny Bye Bye." But I guess it's just not to be uh, again, unless they can get over their multi track obsession and and try to find something else try to find a soundboard but again (laughs) they would have to have those to release them so i'm I'm not i'm not holding my breath there that leaves
1: 1985 and we know there are three more shows from la there are three more shows from new jersey right the first four yeah yeah and nothing that we know of from london or anything else those are confirmed at the moment the only six shows that we know about
0: that we, that we know about, correct? And again, they're all very similar. There's like there's one change between 822 and 818. There's one change from August 19th and two changes from August 21st. So the, one of them is growing up with the bear story. So that's, that's kind of interesting.
1: And the LA shows have a little bit more variety. He had gotten to the point where he was mixing it up a little more at the end of the tour. And of course, the... October 2nd show is of historical value because it was the final show of his biggest tour. It has widely been regarded that they were holding that back for a purpose. Of course, now he has said he's not putting out a Born in the USA box. There's also been some debate over the years because the dance taken in during Dancing in the Dark during that final night was with Julianne and that there might be some reluctance that to put that out on video i i don't know about that i go back and forth on that i can see the argument but then it's like a little petty to me but they also have september 30th which hasn't been released and that could be a video if they wanted to
0: yeah exactly either one or maybe they just don't want to release a show that has clarence in that red leather suit i don't i don't know (laughs) (laughs) well but you can release it on audio oh exactly oh exactly i I think the next usa release will be either september 30th or october 2nd um, okay well but, i will look forward to that because the
1: as it happens the 1985 releases have been truly outstanding
0: <laughs> yes they have i've actually i'm in, i'm very surprised at how much i really love the 822 release just just absolutely loved it uh the 927 goes down a couple of notches for me because there's some uh well a little more intrusive audience noise than than i would prefer and uh, I feel like there's a couple of women in the first couple of rows who just seem to be yelling just nonstop, but that kind of, that kind of takes it down a notch or two for me, but so it goes.
1: The 22nd means a lot to me, of course, because the think that there's a show out that I attended when I wasn't even 17 years old it, and I put that on and I go back there, it just really sort of blows me away. <laughs> so that one was particularly meaningful.
0: Yeah, and as, as I said when we talked about it, that was the Bruce I became obsessed with, and in the summer of '85, going into '86, so it was great to to hear it in you know full Bruce kind of kind of mode.
1: Now we move to Tunnel. What's the story here? Obviously, this <laughs> is a tour that featured pretty basic setlist throughout, although it did shift in the states. We had the Tunnel oriented show, and then in Europe, it moved to be a little bit more Born in the USA oriented.
0: Yeah, and the only thing we really know is that the that Sheffield was recorded July 9th and 10th because that's where spare parts the spare parts single and video were uh, were sourced from. But other than that, I I honestly don't know what is there. Uh, I guess we can going back to the states, we can we can guess that they have May 22nd, which was obviously the night before May 23rd, which has been released. But again, that's just w- one song different even if it's a huge one and across the borderline.
1: Yeah, this tour, you're gonna to have that. I mean, you're talking about July 9th and 10th from Sheffield. There's not much there that's different from the other shows, particularly the July Stockholm release.
0: Well, there is one thing, and it's very little, but I something that I felt very important is that uh he, he throws in some lines from Tears of a Clown starting around around July 9th in Sheffield and that kind of, and that continued through the end of, of the tour. And that was a big deal for me, and and I really hope that the next release could, in fact, be from Europe and and include one of those shows.
1: And otherwise, on this leg, there's no evidence of any other shows, right? Because we have to figure if they had East Berlin, that one is so historically important, it would have been released by now.
0: You would think that, yeah. I'm not sure I totally believe the if they have show X, then it would already be out. I'm not sure I total, totally buy into that because they, they have to kind of stretch it out. But yeah, that's, a, that's one that we have no idea. And really, when we talk about having evidence of something recorded, we're really talking about something from a show that has been officially released. Like I said, Spare Parts from Sheffield, so, so we knew they had it, Stockholm. Obviously, they, re- they released Times of Freedom from that one, so uh, we've got to assume that's pro-recorded, and then the Los Angeles and, and Detroit shows. and But there hasn't been any other shows that have sourced uh, official releases, so it's, it's difficult to know what's, what they have and what they don't. We can guess that they might have the last couple of shows in Spain, uh, the final show of the tour, considering they recorded the final four shows of the USA tour. Of course, that's and that's not a guarantee, but I think that one would be would be a cool one to to have. Even though by that time it's finally converted to the Born in the USA uh, local tour, as I believe Backstreet's called it at the time.
1: Based on what you just said, there's a couple things. First of all, East Berlin. I think that the chances that it was recorded multi track, considering where the show took place, is probably very slim.
0: Yes, I agree with that.
1: Overall, the one thing I'll say is the historical evidence or the historical record, I should say, is there. Every show that we know that was recorded, as you just said, LA, Detroit, Stockholm, those are the shows that have been released. And at this point, this far into the series, if they had other shows, I think they would have emerged. I'm not saying every one of them would have emerged, but we've really had very little surprise. I think no surprise from
0: the classic era, right? Well, no surprises from the. Yeah, I guess you're right. I was I was going to say no surprises from Tunnel at least, but there's no surprises from USA or or the River Tour <laughs> basically. So 75, I think there might be if Toronto really does exist, then that that would be a surprise, even though we kind of already know about it. But uh, but yeah, from that era, well, what they've previously released has has been released in full.
1: Yeah, you just sort of have to use logic here that. Shows that were the source of Live 75 to 85, The Chimes of Freedom, those are the shows that have been used to release the archive series. And it would be great if we got a curveball. It seems like what was recorded is what was recorded. And, you know, we can wait on Godot, but (laughs) I don't know that it's going to arrive.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm still holding out hope that maybe one of the last few nights of the uh, of the tunnel tour in, in Spain were recorded because it was at the end of the tour, and or maybe some of the other German non East Berlin shows because they did several in, in in a short span of time. But but you're right; we have no evidence that any of that actually exists.
1: Hi, I'm Hal Schwartz from but the Brave, and I want to tell you about our exciting new sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid is a service for musicians that puts your music into online stores and streaming services like Spotify. You keep 100% of your royalties. The DistroKid app is packed with features. You can check your streaming stats from Apple and Spotify, upload lyrics and song credits. You can also get notified via push notifications when you've earned royalties. With Mixia, a powerful tool for those without access to professional mastering engineers, users can put the finishing touches on their track in minutes. There's a simple interface that is easy to use even if you're a novice creator. It's only $99 for a year with unlimited master tracks. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely. Send tracks to collaborators, booking agents, and anyone else you want to hear your work. Your music will stream at the highest quality so you can make a great impression. And the artwork files look great too. So check out DistroKid through None But The Brave special link and receive 30% off your first year. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash MBTB. Once again, DistroKid.com slash VIP slash MBTB. Thank you. And a tour that was piggybacked on the Tunnel Tour, which is completely unrepresented in the Archive series, is the Amnesty Tour. Now, I think they should get at least one Amnesty show out. What's your feeling as to why that hasn't happened yet?
0: My guess would be is that, well, first off, they're short. Uh, They're only about 90 minutes if you include even all the encores with, with with all the acts. And then they're just the greatest hit shows. And there's no... There's no song that is unique to that tour except for Get Up Stand Up. And I think between those two aspects, they're just, you know, they're being kind of overlooked. I think that they should get at least one out. I
1: I saw Philadelphia. That was a really good show. The Horns were there. That was the return of Jungle Land. The show following was the show in L.A. where Jungle Land was also played. It was exactly the same show as Philadelphia, as a matter of fact. But the one I'd really look at if they have it is Oakland, because Sting wasn't there, It was a little bit longer set, and it opened with War. That, at least on tape, is a really excellent show, and I, I think would be a good representation of this tour.
0: Oh, I agree. And it includes uh, the only performance until 93 of I Ain't Got No Home and and the version of Tunnel, which is they actually exclude the that intro that was done on the tunnel of love tour so it just kind of kicks into the song without any intro so so that gives it a different feel
1: yeah and and i do hope that it happens at some point because i would like all the tours represented at least as much as they can be
0: what do you think of the possibility of them like releasing two so you get you get two shows kind of like when they when they did no nukes that would be great the more <laughs> the merrier i mean i don't think this show's ever been against more archives well that that would certainly work that would take care of the uh of the of the length issue just just like the policing both no nuke shows did so that would be really cool maybe they could release uh, like la and oakland together kind of get uh i see i kind of think la was more of a standard set and that would be a good representation of that tour, along right. with Philadelphia. Whereas yeah. Oakland did have those differences, and while they they're cool to us, they're not true. That's not truly what happened on the on the majority of that tour.
1: All right, I agree. And let's take a look at ninety two, ninety three. Now, this tour, it seems like they release fewer shows compared to some of the Eastery tours. And I think we all know why, (laughs) but they have done a very good job at picking the shows from this tour. The Boston release was excellent. Of course, the hunger thon is a massive show and the more recent European show was a good lesson. Where would they go to next? Because they, even though they've only released three, it is a good representation uh, of sort of everything that went on. Oh, and they did release the metal ad show. So that's a fourth show, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They've done four.
1: Yeah, and that was that was a really good show for them to release too
0: because it had unique stuff on it. Totally agree, and the only shows that we wish they had the Basie, <laughs> the rehearsal show from the Basie, it <laughs> goes without saying. <laughs> but yeah, they definitely don't have that one in multi-track, but a, a, a two-track DAT would be more than sufficient. I mean, we know they have the Milton Keynes show from May twenty-second because a good chunk of that was used on that uh, the Lost Springsteen. TV special or whatever it was as part of the Uber series back in, uh, I guess that was 06 or so. I would actually go back to New Jersey. I would love to see either the opening night, which had the solo electric dancing in the dark, uh, as well as the last performance to date of with every wish or, or go to July 31st, which I believe you attended it had spirit I did it which, with all
1: of them okay
0: <laughs> they did spirit and a kind of an acoustic piano thing pony boy and then cross my heart which would be which would be incredibly unique because it was only done t- what two or three times on the entire tour once with the band and once acoustic all right so that's twice and this would be the full band version and i think that would be an excellent addition
1: it would and July 31st was my favorite of that stand, but I would lean towards the opening night because of the circumstances. You mentioned the Dancing in the Dark. That is an essential to get that solo electric version of Dancing in the Dark where he really stripped the song down to its essence. It had so much soul. But the circumstances of that night, Mm -hmm. and I, I believe we've heard about this in one of the books, he was very nervous backstage. He didn't know what... The crowd's reaction was going to be he had moved to L.A., he had fired the E Street Band, and here he was returning to New Jersey, and there was such an electricity in the building that night. Yes, there there was. (laughs) That would be a really cool one to have in the series
0: yes I, I agree totally with you on 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 every account yeah i'm actually kind of kind of surprised that that he would be nervous just to the re, to the reaction of the crowd considering he sold out 11 shows but i guess when he hit the stage with a group of musicians who were not e street and he was playing material that was not from 75 to 85 that would be uh, something to see for on on his part
1: Anything else of note from ninety two, ninety three, or should we move on to Jode? I
0: think we can move on to Jode.
1: All right, let's do that. The Jode tour, I would have to say, again, they've done a really good job with these releases. The last Asbury release is an all-timer, even though I really think that one's sort of not part of the full tour. But earlier in the month of November and the month before... There were magnificent performances in the midwest and in the central valley of california of course fresno comes to mind and in those shows Woody Guthrie's Tom Jode opened a lot instead of Bruce's Tom Jode, and there was an artistic impact, I think, in those specific locations that really hit home.
0: Yeah, he was singing songs in, in the location in, in, which, in which they were set. You got Woody Guthrie's Tom Jode, you got the, the, basically the Border Trilogy, all those basically were set in that kind of uh, the California Valley, so they had an extra powerful impact, and I think the audiences were incredibly wrapped. They were just so attentive, even though, I mean, I wasn't there. So maybe you can talk more to that.
1: Well, that night in Fresno, when he did the Porte plane wreck at Los Gatos, which is the only time I've ever seen the song, that was quite a moment. And and that entire show, it it was funny because he was in a location, of course, that he normally doesn't play. And walking into that show, I'll never forget, there were people who thought he was going to be with the E Street Band. They had no clue. (laughs) And he walked out on that stage and, started strumming that guitar and played, how long was Guthrie's Tom Joad? It ran, I think, it's like pr- seven or eight minutes, right?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty long song. It basically, It's basically a summary of the entire Grapes of Wrath book, <laughs> if I remember correctly, and, anyway.
1: And the incredible thing was this crowd, which I don't think knew what was coming, he had them in the palm of their hands, and that show was so riveting you know, there were other good shows in California that week. There was a show in San Diego where, of course, songs also take place, Balboa Park. But the Fresno show in particular is one that just maximum impact for that tour. And and if someone asked me, that would be the next show I would release from the Joe tour.
0: Okay and and i agree with you and i would also for other future releases i, I think we we need us we need a show with uh, pilgrim in a temple of love and and never mm-hmm. be any other for me but you and and the doo-wop version of, of fall behind he debuted that one and uh guess oh it that was, was beautiful des- yeah december 96 when, when dion came on dion had actually recorded a version of it released it and and bruce picked it up for the for the remainder of 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 the 96 tour and including into, uh, into 97. So one of those, I, I have my, in my notes, one of those late December shows and, or make going to Australia. I think Sydney had a, he was there for about what a week or a week and a half. Did a bunch of shows there. So maybe they set up the recording truck there.
1: Considering the instrumentation on the Joe tour, I don't even know if they needed a recording truck. They probably could have done it just to that, Right.
0: That, I don't know. I don't know how many mics they would have had set up for everything. but Because they had a vocal mic, and I don't know what was going G- on and with the guitar. Right. And
1: then Kevin. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll, we have to find out more about that. But I agree, Australia would be a very interesting selection. Yeah. Especially because we haven't heard a lot of those shows, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, there are some good bootlegs of it. I think Crystal Cat released Sydney Night. That was a strong, strong recording. But... Yeah, just kind of like the rest of '97. He released Nietzsche from May in '97, but really, there's that's kind of an overlooked overlooked leg, uh, especially of that tour. Maybe it's because he didn't do any in the, in the states, and by that time he had already been on the road for for 15 months or 14 months. So some of us were ready to move on <laughs> before uh, before he was.
1: Now the reunion tour, we obviously opened the show talking about this current release, which is from that tour. We mentioned perhaps another show or two from New Jersey. Of course, I would expect additional shows from the Garden. One of the issues with this tour, as we've discussed before, is that they don't have everything. Flynn's information is that they have select shows from select cities. And three of the biggest shows, his birthday show in Philadelphia, Night 2 in Atlanta when American Skin was premiered, and the second show in Hartford, we've already reported they don't have them.
0: No, they do not. So yeah, it, I think again, it might just come down to how many shows from from Madison, Madison Square Garden can they can they can they put out? I, I think I would certainly go to that one next. I would love to see the June twenty second show that had the debut of another Thin Line and, and Secret Garden plus the fabulous, yeah. another excellent version of Incident. That would that would be my pick. And but again, there are eight other shows, and just about all of them are worthy of release except 629 and but that's that's the way it goes yeah and anything else from the reunion tour they've covered
1: 2000 now Anaheim was a phenomenal release earlier in the year the 99 releases they've now covered much of that 99 period other than the New Jersey shows and I know people are yelling what about Europe
0: <laughs> I, I I think for Europe you're just gonna have to settle for this seven this July 18 show I think that's the closest you're gonna get
1: the, was that because they didn't record anything there, or just at this point, the earliest representation of the show is going to be this Jersey show?
0: I think it's just going to be the earliest representation. They were still really finding the road legs there, and it took, took quite a while to do it. And maybe for that reason that they knew that um, the st- those shows wouldn't be the strongest, that they didn't bother to, to try to record any professionally. Makes sense. And
1: I will hope for additional shows from the Meadowlands. The August 11th show, I feel, needs to be released. But since we just got a Meadowlands show with everything else going on, the new tour and the likely pause in the series, I would guess that that's several years at best away.
0: Yeah, um, at least three or I guess two, two or three. So well, unless they do some kind of surprise thing, where they maybe they release something at Christmas or during another gap in the tour, like they they kind of did that in sixteen, they released Christic between the two legs, and and then they released Buffalo for for the Christmas release that year. Right, but clearly they're not going
1: to release another Meadowlands ninety nine show. <laughs> yeah, for any that's, of those things.
0: That's that's a good point. That's a good point. They probably wouldn't even go back to the reunion tour, considering that this one of the most recent releases would be from from july 18th 99 all
1: right so here we arrive at the rising (laughs) good job guys good job often discussed never changing situation do you have any update you had previously said the last time we did this 18 months ago you said something like guys just expect nothing and hope for the best yeah is there
0: any update on
1: the situation
0: there is no change whatsoever i haven't heard anything. And it just seems like that's just going to be it—that Helsinki show, unfortunately. But and this is a tour where if they have anything in two track, release it. It's a big hole in the series. Huge. Some would claim this is a more important tour than a reunion because they had a new album going on. But so get something out there. Do they really not have anything on two on on the two track? That whatever. There Whatever. are so many
1: questions about how they got to Helsinki. There's a lot of theories now. You had said on BTX that they even turned to one of the people at Gen X, which owns the technology in question.
0: Yeah, they had to bring in Dr. Otto Schultz to to come in f- to help with the Hel- Helsinki one. And I don't know how they got that one. But if that guy can't can't get the other ones out, then I don't think anyone can. So just to recap,
1: in case we have new listeners, The Rising was recorded on a Gen X system, which was new at the time. State of the art. State of the art and has gone defunct. And because they did not transfer everything back in the day, which makes sense. Anything. Well, they did transfer Barcelona because obviously that was a release. They were able to access it in 2002 and 2003. But by the time they started the archive series and it was... 14, 15 years later, now even longer, they were unable to access
0: the data. Pretty much, yeah. It was recorded in some kind of proprietary format, so it's not even a WAV file. And it's just they can't get everything uh, get everything working. It's almost like they have to, I don't know. I think all the moons aligned correctly, and they did some kind of uh, bizarre moon dance to get Helsinki. I wish they could do that again for like a Shea show or something.
1: But we do believe because there's a lot of speculation that they're not really trying that hard or they didn't really care. From what we understand, uh, that is not true. They actually did try to solve the problem, and they certainly cared to try to solve it. Would you say that that is correct?
0: Yes, that that is indeed correct. Now, I got a friend uh, on on the BTX board thinks they should uh, they should crowdsource it, uh, send it out to, or. Try to find recruit some serious hackers or some serious tech heads and see if they can give it a shot because you know that would be a hell of a challenge for them, but i I don't see I don't see that happening either. Uh, i don't I don't know because
1: as you and I have discussed off air, I once had a conversation totally separate from this rising issue with one of our audio houses talking about changing audio formats. And they were telling me some of the fail safes that they go through and that there's always someone out there with the right machine. And it just seems impossible to think that there's some crowdsourcing solution to a problem that we know they really have tried to solve. So it just appears that the rising story is written. And as you said, expect nothing. And if one were to arrive, we should just all be very happy about
0: it. (laughs) Pretty much. Now we don't know if the Vote for Change tour has uh, has the same issue, but they but they haven't released a show from that tour either, and that could be a variety of reasons that it was you know too political. Obviously, it was it was a political tour. Whether it was a number of guests or the show was too short or or whatever, but. One has not come out from from those two weeks yet. I feel
1: that October 13th is essential to release if they can unlock it. Now, I know there were guests that night, including Eddie Vetter, but Eddie has been on numerous releases so far. So he's not going to stop them from releasing that show. I just don't believe that. And the version of Better Man that night is... unique (laughs) not only is
0: it unique because it was only played once it was just unique it was amazing i thought i was that that was just a tremendous performance and i'm not a big pearl jam fan i went with you to a show but i'm casual at best but that one that performance that night in october of 2004 was that was mind-blowing man mind oh it was
1: incredible oh yeah and as ed said he he took the e street Band for a little spin and he, <laughs> he had a lot of fun doing it and that was an amazing moment
0: yeah i what really struck me i mean i kind of expected bruce to to jam the hell, hell out of that show on guitar but clarence clarence sounded amazing on that when he was rejuvenated he felt like it was uh, clarence from the 80s again
1: yeah that was a that was a big moment i hope i hope they can get it out
0: i and, hope so and, too
1: now let's move on to Devils and Dust, which we begin with the tours now that they have everything.
0: Yes, yes. And also, I think at this point, starting with Devils and Dust, for shows to be released, I'm my opinion is it's almost like you pick your favorite rarities and, and kind of pull for those. And I think the Devils and Dust tour is a prime example of that. I know you're a big fan of Paradise, and yes. it's, it's, it was a great performance on that tour, but you know, you, you, then you can pick up, a week later, so I was talking about the Albany show, but a week later in Atlanta, you get s- Sad Eyes and Valentine's Day. You go to St. Louis, Back in Your Arms, County Fair, backstreets, Wild Billy Circus Story. It's like, pick one. Just pick one. <laughs> pick well, your favorite tour, rarities and go.
1: From an archive perspective, this tour is an embarrassment of riches because the shows had a lot of differences. The performances, the paradise, as you mentioned, half keyboard, half piano, So incredibly effective. And at that Albany show, the pairing of Paradise and Real World, uh, just stunning. So there's that. There's the Rome show, which I love to listen to. He had that uh, opening to I'm on Fire, where he paid tribute to the maestro Ennio Morricone. And that's an excellent show. They, They could go a million different ways here. And they've already represented this tour incredibly well.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that. Uh, I guess it's it's from Stockholm, the June 25th show. I just absolutely love that one. And I think they did a great job with some of the early August releases. They did uh, the one from, uh, (laughs) where is that arena in Michigan? I forget, August 3rd. Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, one with Tunnel of Love, and uh, Columbus, Ohio, July 31st. I mean, they've done some great ones already. Now- it's like, where do you go from there? And, you know, August 6th and 7th, St. Louis, Milwaukee. Or do you go to Vancouver from August 13th? The two shows from Philadelphia in November. It's, you know, it's almost, like I said, you pick your fa- your favorite rarities and kind of go from there.
1: And they
0: really, it would be great if they started getting more of these out. Now, of
1: course, the solo shows, I think the general public doesn't like as much as the E Street Band shows. That's, that's an obvious statement. And we are due for a Devils and Dust show. In fact, it seems like January could very well be Devils and Dust, right?
0: It could be. We're as you said, we're definitely due. It's been a, what over a year, or maybe almost a year and a half since that the May two thousand and five show from from Philadelphia. So we're definitely due, and maybe after uh, the great the great Nash- Nashville show from earlier in December and this other reunion show, we're we're due for for a non e Street.
1: All right. Well, let's see what happens. I- I'm going to hope for a show with Paradise. I really think that that song deserves to be represented. But as you point out, there's many, many songs <laughs> played on this tour that have not yet been released.
0: Yes, exactly. I would love to hear uh, My Father's House and yeah, <laughs> Land of Open Dreams, even though that, that has been released. Seeger Sessions, Anymore? more? <laughs> Well, I'm just going to just literally just by the set list, and I, I would say the June 17th show from Clarkston, Michigan. I guess that's outside of Detroit. That has Cadillac kind of like Ranch into Mystery Train, which has not been released yet. Got long time coming, and and the two the two big ones for me: Bring 'em Home and Rag Mama Rag. That would be a that would be a good one just from a set list perspective. But they've released even less from that tour than they have the '92 '93 tour. So. I wouldn't expect that one for for a while especially since we just got uh, the one in October.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're big sellers <laughs> and if you ask me which should be next, my answer really is don't know, don't care.
0: <laughs> and that is actually the one tour that I think has was best covered by an official release. I thought Live in Dublin did a tremendous job of 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 covering the the show, the standards kind of show as well as some some cool rarities. So Go, going from that, we'll, we'll just have to wait like three or four years for anything more from this one. Moving on to
1: Magic, I think this one is the best represented reunion era tour overall. There were very clear and defined moments on that tour that needed to be released. The uh, St. Louis, of course, Boston 2, which was Danny's final full show, the return of the band after Danny passed away in Tampa. Indianapolis, Nashville which we talked about on the show for years. So they really have hit the big moments from the Magic Tour so far. Do you agree with
0: that? I do. They certainly have picked picked the right ones, but I'm ready to move on from the from the Danny trilogy of uh, three other shows you mentioned and and go to let's go to Europe now. I think there's uh there's a lot of opportunity there, especially Gothenburg and Barcelona where Some serious set list variations, and some stuff came out that hadn't been played in years, and I think it's time to go to Europe for that one. I can see that,
1: and there are certainly shows worthy of release from Europe. There are two other American shows I think I would point out. Orlando, which was the second show after they came back after Danny's funeral, which opened with the alternate Blood Brothers, the only time that's ever been played. And the first Anaheim show, which was the first ever appearance of Tom Morello with the E Street Band. Bruce actually mentioned that show, talking about Morello during the recent Howard Stern interview. The moment that occurred when Morello finished that Joe solo that night was just mind-blowing. And the... Of course, it's already been released because it was on Magic Tour Highlights. But that was a great show in general. It opened... I believe it's the only official E Street Band show that ever opened with Light of Day, right? I believe you're right. Yeah, there I have been club shows correct. that have opened with Light of Day. It opened with Light yes. of Day. It had a real 80s feel early on. Murder, Inc. was played. Trap was played. So that was a really big show. So I could see that one coming out at some point because of the Morello performance.
0: Yes. I And he he added some some guitar to other songs that night, no? Or was that his only appearance? No, I think that was his only appearance at
1: that first show. It's okay. it's the your thing of Anaheim 2012, which we'll get to in a little yes.
0: while. Yes. Okay. Now the thing about the Magic Tour and going back to the Wrecking Ball tour, the fact that they released two shows from Paris, uh, July 4th and 5th, 2012, kind of got me a little bit uh, a little bit greedy. I think they should release both shows from Gothenburg, July 4th and 5th. Oh boy, that's ironic. And then, or July nineteenth and twentieth from Barcelona. I think those would be two extremely good back to back, back to back stands. Can't argue with that. (laughs) All right, so we should move to working on a dream and Uh, see what we go there about
1: this. Do we really need more? Uh, Well, there's one we need one more, and it's uh, October
0: fourteenth. Yes, that that is it. Uh, That that'll cover the. Covered the, all the album performances, and in, in addition to darkness, it had uh, what love can do, human touch, Thundercrack, and long walk home. So uh, even outside of the album, it, it was a strong show. Now, if they want to go to uh, to a non album show, I'm the July 23rd show in Udine, Italy, looks pretty good. Between the Sherry Darling with the accordion version, Summertime Blues, Streets of Fire, even Born in the USA and American Skin, but again. Uh, we have a, we have uh, recordings of most of those songs from other places, from other better shows and better tours.
1: Unfortunately, I think 2009 was the nadir of uh, E Street Band touring in the reunion era, and it, someone brought up May 23rd, the other day, which was a perfectly fine show, the second night at the Meadowlands. You and I saw that show together. Yep. Do I think that that show should be released? I mean, I guess if they have nothing else to release and they <laughs> want to put something out, but there was nothing special about that show. Uh, yeah, and that, I think, unfortunately, speaks to a lot of the tour. It was just not a great year of touring for them until they got to that end where he found a little spark playing the records. And, of course, uh, three of the shows which are released – were truly magnificent. The Wild and the Innocent show, the River show, and the and the Greeting show.
0: Yeah, those were tremendous shows. Even though I only saw one of them, but uh, we have a Born to Run show from from yes uh, Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland. That's right. That was just this year. That's the one that had back back in your arms. Yeah, the album performances did did bring the spark back, as you said. And yeah, it's almost like any, anything before that is like eh, you know, take it or leave it. I'll, I'll, if, they, if they release it, I'll certainly buy it and listen to it, but it won't be exactly be uh, top of my charts.
1: All right. So let's wrap up here with Wrecking Ball, another tour where they've done a phenomenal job. 2012 was a big year of touring, uh, the, those shows in Europe. And that, and that's one of the things we've heard people say, well, they never release European shows and it's unfair. No, when the best shows in a tour took place in Europe, as they did in 2012, they've released – numerous european shows the two you just mentioned from paris stockholm helsinki those shows are represented because those are the best shows from that year yeah so,
0: exactly and it was gothenburg though not not stockholm but i'm sorry yes but same but, but same country but yeah i think they did a great job of, of with those with those shows and any other shows from 12 that, that you would kind of put your uh, recommendation into
1: Well, you just mentioned Morello and Anaheim, and there was a repeat performance in 2012 with Tom. I'd have to say if asked, I would think that the 2008 performance would be the first one they'd released with Morello. But that was a very, very good show there at the end of the leg in December. It opened with Land of Hope and Dreams, which had a unique intro because Morello was on stage. And it seemed like that night that Bruce was particularly fired up guitar playing it, probably because Tom was there and he was sort of, you know, I'm going to show you sort of thing.
0: (laughs) That was a good... Keep up with the youngster.
1: (laughs) Right. That was a good show. And uh, of course, the Omaha show, which we've talked about before, which highlighted numerous songs off Nebraska. The only time that happened, really the only time that happened on a band show during yeah. a band show in the reunion era.
0: Exactly. Exactly. See, and, and I would add on uh, November 19th from Denver. It had, in addition to Get Out of Denver, it had Bishop Dance, Human Touch, and Saving Up in a row, as well as Across the Borderline in the Encore. And I thought that was a pretty uh, pretty interesting one. What about 2013? I, I'm i thinking I got greedy. I'm getting greedy with my, uh, with my two night stands here. And I would do the two shows in Turku. May seventh and May eighth, yes, or go to July twenty third in Cardiff. That was actually one of one of my favorite shows. It's got it's gotten a lot of chatter on on BTX, and uh, even though it's the night before before Leeds, it had a lot of different stuff and a lot of stuff from tracks actually. I would
1: go with Turku, especially the show with Wages of Sin. That that was a tremendous show.
0: And in addition to Wages of Sin, it also had Ain't Good Enough for You. So hell, that's a that's a good one
1: anything else from 2013 of course a lot of those shows featured full performances aboard the USA which i don't think we need
0: <laughs> yeah i would st- i would stay away from any full album performances post 2009 basically and just stick with uh as i said find your favorite rarities and kind of campaign for that one
1: what do you think the next show will be released from the wrecking ball tour do you have any uh, in- insight
0: guesses i have no insight or guesses okay. any of the ones that i just mentioned would would be a good one. Uh, you, I know you mentioned uh, I mentioned Omaha, but I think they just released the two shows from Paris from twelve. So I would li- I would like to think they're going to go to thirteen, and which would put Turku and, and Cardiff uh, straight in the in their sights.
1: I'll go with Turku. Okay,
0: all right. I'll be happy with the second night in Turku or both nights, and be be extremely happy with Cardiff.
1: The other thing we hear a lot is, and let's just do this very quickly. People are constantly asking us, we don't follow the archive series as closely as you guys do. Since the last time we did this, are there any shows that we would highlight that we think people have to have? Just a small number, three or four, do you have any thoughts on the shows that people have to have from the archive series from the last year and a half? Yeah.
0: October 1st, 1978 from Atlanta. Sounds phenomenal. It's a great set list, even though it's not a total perfect representation of that tour it doesn't have "She's the One" or "Backstreets," but uh, incident into Rosie, Heartbreak Hotel, the last time makes this one just. And it was the last the last night at at the time, and they were they were on fire. They were ready to to close it out.
1: Yeah, definitely agree with the Fox Theater from seventy eight night two. Certainly have to mention Wembley, June fourth, nineteen eighty one, and. One that was a surprise, even though I was there, and I wrote the review for Backstreet's, the Anaheim show from the reunion tour, May 22nd, 2000. Now, as we've talked about, May and June, they were playing at their absolute highest level. Uh, That show is incredible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I love listening to that one. And that's certainly with with Roll the Dice, No Surrender, Country Swing, and and racing in the street, that was a, that was a phenomenal, and you said stand on, it was in the encores. And yes. Is that the one with Gloria too? Yes. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a top notch one. And for my other two, I would say May 16th, 88 from the garden. I'm a big tunnel fan as everyone knows. And that one, that was the first night of the five nights there and the crying just makes that one a a must have as well as the New York to New York to, uh, to end the show. And my third choice would be December 12th, 75, last year's Christmas surprise. I, I actually like that show a lot more than I, than I thought I would with It's My Life and Lost in the Flood. And, and obviously uh, Santa Claus is coming to town with uh, sounding normal and not totally uh, remixed in, in the studio.
1: Yeah, my last one, and I think it's around the time we last did this, would be the August 22nd, 1985, Giant Stadium Show. Now, the okay. last 18 months have been huge for me. It's <laughs> incredible how many shows I was at that have been released in this period. But this was another one. And as I said, when we started this show, which seems like a while ago, the feeling of being back in that building when I was just about to turn 17 and the how massive... <laughs> Bruce was at that point, yeah. you know, if you didn't live through it, it's hard to imagine. I mean, he was the biggest performer on the planet, except for maybe Michael Jackson, although the in USA tour was certainly bigger than the Victory tour.
0: Yes, and, it was. And and, and well, and, and Michael Jackson had pretty much, uh, he was, uh, I think Thriller had ended by then. So I think and yes. so he didn't have any, any music on the, on, on current radio. So. Yeah, I think Bruce owned the place.
1: Yeah, just great stuff, and, and kudos to everyone involved, Al Schiller, Eric, all the guys at Nuggs, Brad Serling, of course, everyone involved with Bruce, they they really have done this series right. Uh, there's just no way to say it otherwise, and yeah. who would have ever thought I, the, the, the <laughs> really? quality and the, the number of the shows that have been released, It's it's a wonderful thing for fans.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is, and... We, we quibble over whether it should be july 18th or august 11th but in the end uh every show sounds sounds phenomenal and and the performances really throughout are, are great they they pick the ones where where bruce's is, is on and and the band is is really on and i mean if we can make any suggestions for the future as i said see if you can go to uh get off the multi-track only kind of kind of thinking and do some more historically important shows that maybe you, that you don't have multi tracks for, like I said, some of the spring '76 shows or summer '76, as as we're probably in that that Charles Gerber box of tapes, and and certainly if you have anything from the Rising, let's 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 hear it. <laughs> let's hear it. And with that, we've taken
1: our latest look at the archive series. This will probably be the last we do this for a while, and. Before we wrap up tonight, we just want to wish everyone a happy holiday season, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. This has been a big year for the Number But the Brave podcast, and as we've said before, we really appreciate the fact that people are listening. It 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 blows my mind. I don't know how one feels about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, my mind's pretty much blown as well, and uh, it's it's just fantastic to have people quote us and and talk about us on very on onli- various online forums and. We're looking forward to even a, a bigger 2023. We're so excited about covering a, a current tour and 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 having shows to talk up, new shows to talk about, and even and the recordings of those shows. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. going be a yeah. lot of fun.
1: Okay, uh, I think we've reached the end here, so I'm gonna wrap it up. None But The Brave is produced by Bull Market Entertainment, and presented by Evergreen Podcasts. On the web, you can find us at nonebutthebravepodcast.com, on Twitter at
0: MBTBpodcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening and Happy New Year, and we'll see you further on up the road.
1: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.
0: Mad Magazine.
1: Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons.